the Bible Study Podcast, episode 189. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Revelation with Revelation 6. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. You may recall at the end of Revelation 5, we had a scroll that was presented that had seven seals on it. And the question was, who was worthy to break these seals and open this scroll? And the answer was the lamb who was slain, who was now alive again, or Jesus. And so Jesus came forth and we start breaking these seals here in Revelation 6. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come. I looked, and there was before me a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. When the lamb opened a third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures say, A quart of wheat for a day's wages, and three quarts of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. When the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was death, and Hades was following close behind. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. So these are the four writers of the Apocalypse, or the four writers of Revelation. Apocalypse and Revelation are the same word, just from different root. Apocalypse means to lift the veil, or to reveal something. And they're also known as the four horsemen of the Apocalypse. And they may sound familiar. For those of you who like Clint Eastwood movies, you may recognize the reference to the Pale Horse because that was the movie Pale Rider comes from that particular verse. And at this point, we start to get a series of calamities released on the earth. And in these particular four riders, we get war and we get famine and we get plague. Which horse is which doesn't matter quite as much. We've got, it seems, a couple different horses that are war or conquest or whatever. But basically, at this point, we get the bottom line is a fourth of the earth to be killed by sword, famine, and plague. And wild beasts, which is if you didn't have enough problem from the others. So this is a book that is talking about end times. And this is a book that is talking about final judgment or the times that lead up to final judgment. This is still leading up to the day of judgment. But we're talking about a time that has been known as the tribulation, or the end times, a time when great calamity will come on the earth. And one of the questions that has been raised with some different denominations is, when this terrible thing start to happen versus when Christians are taken out of the earth. And there's been great debate about whether a rapture, whether a removing of the Christians from the earth happens before all this bad thing starts to happen in the middle of this or afterwards. We're going to look at what Revelation specifically says. And at this point, we have no mention of the believers. And so this as literal a reading as you can get of Revelation would seem to imply at this point that 
a pre-trib that a, gee, God wouldn't let those who are faithful to him suffer, reading is not supported by the text. Now, remember, we're writing to a church already undergoing persecution just for being Christian. And so this is not something that's happening to them, but to everyone. And so this wouldn't come as necessarily particularly bad news compared to what they're already going through. And that continues. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. So this is the first mention of the believers in this time of tribulation, and you'll notice that some believers are still to be killed. And so believers are still in the world in when things are going on here. They're still going to be killed for their faith. These are the martyrs who are found here under the altar. And so these are all of those who have given their lives as testament to who Jesus is. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned red and the stars fell to the earth as late figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll, rolling up, and every mountain and island were removed from its place. Okay, so major things going on here. The earth is moving, the stars are falling or disappearing, the sky is rolling up, mountains and islands are all moved. So amazingly catastrophic things going on. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? This is a day when all recognize the power of God. And remember, this is a message that is coming to the church under persecution, that at some day, everyone will recognize the God whom you serve. We're going to continue on to Revelation 7. The the 144,000 sealed. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who'd been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the forehead of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. From the tribe of Gad, 12,000. From the tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. From the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. From the tribe of Levi, 12,000. From the tribe of Issachar, 12,000. From the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. From the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000. This is what your English teacher would call redundant writing. So the bottom line here is from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, 12,000 were sealed for 144,000 total. There are some problems with this that we've had historically. One is by the time this was written, 10 of these tribes 
had disappeared and we don't know where they were. Remember, the ten tribes of the northern kingdom were taken away by the Assyrians and have never been heard from again. So, first of all, we don't know whether this is a literal 12,000 or a literal 144,000 or whether it is symbolic. Twelve, remember, is a number that represents the people of God, the elders, the twelve tribes, the twelve apostles, the twelve tribes, represents the people of God. So, this may be a literal number of 144,000 of somebody, it may be a literal number of 144,000 of just what it says, and 12,000 members of Gad will somehow turn up who didn't even know they were members of the tribe of Gad. I don't think that's likely, but again, I do not know. And the interesting things that people have done with this number before is, for instance, the Jehovah's Witnesses, before they crossed over the number of 144,000, used this as a literal number. And then later on said, well, no, it was a figurative number. So we have to be careful with how we interpret some of these things. That was something that was fairly typical in some of the movements in the 1800s as people tried to look at Revelation and tried to get literal meanings out of it to try and do predictions of exactly what date and time and hour God would send Jesus and Jesus would come again. Now, remember, Jesus said that only the Father knows the time. And so any prediction that says Revelation means January 30th, 2012, or any other date, is going against a very specific mention of Jesus that that's not going to happen, that Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. So I can tell you with confidence that all predictions that put a specific date on these things are wrong, because otherwise Jesus wouldn't be coming like a thief in the night. But we don't know exactly what this means, and especially in light of the next section here, which is a great multitude. After this I looked, and there was before me a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the angels, And the four living creatures, they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the angels asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who came out from the great tribulation They have washed their robes and have made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not be down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes." As I read this section, this is the believers who are being taken out through what we have come to know as the rapture, though that is not a biblical word, have been taken out of this time of tribulation. A couple things that are clear. These are a great multitude, more than 144,000. These are from every tribe. These are from every people, every language, every color. And that these people, as they come out, believe in God, they have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And that is what we say happens in baptism, that basically we have taken 
our sins and been washed clean through what Jesus did on the cross. So these are believers. And also that they, like the elders, role here is worshiping God. So those are the things we know for sure. The other thing we know for sure is that their suffering is over. No more hunger, no more thirst, no more scorching heat, and that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This finally is the good news to those who this letter is written, to this revelation is given, that you who are in persecution, the time will come when you will be before the throne of God with your robe washed white and your tears wiped away. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com or follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. As always, thanks so much for listening. Hey friends, Nicole Eunice here from the How to Study the Bible podcast. I want to invite you to experience a fresh look at the story of Joseph and what it means for you today. Life can totally throw us for a loop, whether it's your family or your marriage, work, church, or something else entirely. Maybe you have found yourself in a season that you never would have expected and that you certainly wouldn't have signed up for. In this six-week Bible study together, we're going to talk about the biblical story of Joseph, a man who lived an unexpected life and trusted God through it all. We'll talk about the blessings he experienced, the promises God keeps, the way that tests of our character can actually refine our faith. We'll talk about patience. We'll talk about loss. Absolutely talk about redemption. So come join us for the six-week series over on the How to Study the Bible podcast. Can't wait to dive in with you.